0: Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.
1: Is there a new UFO flap underway in New Hampshire? Can you really reverse engineer a paranormal event? Did I really see Bigfoot in Pennsylvania last weekend?
2: Welcome to the 659th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those various questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And also co-hosting today is our good friend and colleague, that Shane Searway. Because this is an open-line show on any paranormal subject, where we welcome your calls from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. And the numbers are 800-449-1240, and uh, locally I believe it is 401... Six. You worked here seven, for years. Six, seven six seven, 1240. six twelve forty. There we go. Okay. Sorry, my brain is not working yet. So we welcome your calls, and you can also send emails as well. That's paulatbehindtheparanormal.com for emails. So Shane, welcome back.
0: Great to be back. It's been a crazy few weeks, hasn't it, Paul?
2: What's well, a good thing? Yeah. Oh, it has. It has.
1: Good thing you you uh, were able to get down today because these questions, a lot of them are only only you can answer, yeah.
2: as Inspector <laughs> Clouseau would say.
1: So, so in any case, Ben, take it away.
2: Alrighty, so before we get to our listener questions, we understand that some people in New Hampshire, including yourself, have had some major UFO sightings.
0: Yes, quite crazy actually, uh, credible witnesses too. Um, the first one was um, about a few weeks ago in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Um, That's southern New Hampshire in the Mount Monadnock. Yes, so yes. Um, most New Englanders would know where it is. Yeah. Right, yeah, southern New Hampshire. I live in New Ipswich, New Hampshire, which is right next to um, Jaffrey, and I've been working in Jaffrey. So I was approached by a retired police officer who, uh, three weeks ago, was walking his dog. Um, He he has a uh, he just got home from work because he works a late shift, and walking the dog, and he uh, he said, "Boy, the the moon's awful bright tonight, you know." And he could see you know in his peripheral, and he assumed it was the moon. And then he says, man, it's, it's too bright. So he looked up, and when he did, he realized it wasn't the moon at all. It was a giant, w- lit-up white disk um in the sky. He said it was, his words were massive. He kept saying massive, 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 um, covered quite a bit of the sky. And um it really freaked him out. He started, like, backing up, and he was just in awe of what he was looking at. He couldn't figure it out. I mean, this guy, you know, worked as a police officer for quite some time, seen a lot of crazy things, but this just it blew his mind. So anyways... He um, he's just watching it as he's kind of like backing up, and the light goes out, but you can still see the silhouette. It's a It's a dark silhouette, um, darker than the sky, and um, it tilts to the side. He says sparkles fall from it, and then it took off at great speeds. Um, the day after that, I was working in Jaffray, um not far from where he had his sighting. Um, Actually, the the helicopters were in the area of where he saw his. Um, There was one the first night. The first day I saw the black military helicopter, there was one. A few days later, there were two, and they were flying the same area. Um, A couple days after that, uh, my wife texted me and said, hey, she she sent me um, headlines. Um, fighter jets just flew over Jaffrey New Hampshire and I said I know I was outside and they were loud they were I mean they were cranking in the same direction um, they ended up being spotted in several towns they uh, fired off um, countermeasure flares over Hancock New Hampshire which is not far from Jaffrey um so you know the it's all over the news and and so some reporters they contacted massachusetts air reserve and new hampshire air reserve both denied being in the area um a couple hours later massachusetts retracted that statement and said that yes indeed we were in the area running some you know routine things or whatever and they inadvertently accidentally set off these flares That doesn't happen. Right. I contacted somebody I know who's a New Hampshire Air Reserve pilot, and he says that cannot accidentally happen. So um, I also uh, shared this information with Jan Harzan, the executive director for MUFON, Mutual UFO Network, he forwarded to some key people and MUFON Who they all got back to me and said that's exactly what's been happening. Is with a lot of these sightings, um, if the you know the government or whoever knows that a UFO was in the area or it might had been witnessed, they sent out these fighter jets, you know, to set off flares. And they said, oh no, you didn't see a UFO. We were in the area just setting off flares, you know. Mm-hmm. So they said it's becoming a common thing. Um, <clears throat> so since then. I had several other um witnesses come forward who stated uh, seeing the same thing that same night. <clears throat> One was a McDonald employee leaving work saw it um, <clears throat> excuse me and and uh and actually just yesterday um there was a, an employee a uh, young guy at a convenience store and he told me he said you know him and his buddies you know it was getting close to Halloween so they went to visit a cemetery um he said nothing happened but they were walking over this knoll or whatever and they saw this green light up in the sky and you know they said kind of like a shooting star but it, it was going downward he said it flashed and lit up the whole sky and then it changed directions and went up and took off so uh, I'm not sure what that is. I asked him to submit a written report and him and his friends and send it to me, so I, you know we can look into that. Uh, but myself, um, it was uh, what just a few days ago now. Three. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you days wrote ago.
1: to me right away, you're all excited.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so um, I can go home two different ways, but I, I kind of took the long way because I was in the, I was kind of in the, um, used to going that way because the road used to be rough on the other end um but they've since paved the driveway so I'm I'm heading down towards my house my drive on my road and and I I see something move across the you know across the horizon I mean it's with the tree line in in front of me and because I'm kind of like a pie and driving down towards my my drive um and I could I could see this flash and I I look over and I see it go from left to right and it stopped and it was a it was a silver, really shiny disc thing, very clear, very, no, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, visibility was excellent. Um, blue sky, sunny. And this thing, it, it stopped, and it just stayed there. Um, next thing I know, one comes from the background and zips up right next to it and stops. And they're the same size, and they're just sitting there. Next thing I know is, like, someone turned on a light switch, and blink, there's one to the right of those that just appeared. And they're just sitting there. Um i'm reaching frantically behind me because i still have my my case you know from our pennsylvania trip um usually i bring it in and go over everything but it's still sitting in my truck so i'm reaching behind me i didn't want to take my eyes off and i'm reaching for my case to get my camera you know i wanted to use my my video recorder because i got a good zoom on that and i could get it better rather than just my phone which would have been crummy um and as i'm reaching for it the one on the left took off you know to to the left the same direction it came the other one just kind of zipped backwards and and the other one just blinked out and uh yeah, but I, I watch them for a good 30 seconds um and by now my video record's gonna be strapped to my neck you know <laughs> from now on because i'm not gonna miss that again but I, I don't blame i'm feeling you know how lucky am i you know people just had the sightings i'm investigating their sightings and all of a sudden i'm fortunate enough to see these three things that were not planes they were not flares um and matter of fact i stayed there for a few minutes later um, to see if they came back. And, you know, in the meantime, there was three planes, one at full full altitude, way, way up there. I could, such a clear night, I could see it was a plane. I could see the wings. I could see everything. One was kind of lower. I saw that. it was able to, you know, see the colors. It was black. You know, it didn't wasn't reflecting the sun. None of them reflected the sun, like this shiny uh, silver that I was looking at. Um, I could see the cut. One was black. One was red and blue. And then there was a smaller plane that was lower, you know. Um, but these were... These were not airplanes, you know.
1: What time of day was that,
0: Shane? It was about a uh, quarter of 6 p.m.
1: Okay. So the sun would have been in the western sky. Yes. Okay. And these were not sun dogs because sun dogs aren't silver.
0: <clears throat> yeah. No, these <clears throat> were very shiny, very shiny. Okay. Um, and just, like I said, it was it just amazed me how... Fast, it, it it came from the left and it just stopped instantly. And then the other one kind of, it, it started as a dot and then it just shot right closer. So it, it looked like it was coming from, you know, further out and it just stopped. Yeah. They were the same size. as The other one, it was just like, like I said, a light switch. It just went blink and I could see it. It just, it just appeared.
1: Well, if you say it, it's good enough for me because you're one of the few, <laughs> if, if not the only investigator we will work with because your feet are, are firmly planted on the ground and you're very skeptical about even things that happen to you so uh, right. that's good enough for me
2: so how recent is this spike in sightings
0: well there's the, the three i just talked about were over the last three weeks and um oh and my neighbor um just two nights ago i think it was he was out in his yard and and uh, i was telling him about it <clears throat> and he goes oh, he goes oh yeah yeah because he works in jaffrey at a uh, at a company a large company employs a bunch of people they w- work all, all around the clock, different shifts, you know. He got in and he overheard employees talking about seeing this big white thing in the sky. All of them saying, you know, because it was so bright, you know, and they could see it in their peripheral, they just assumed it was the moon until they looked up and mm-hmm. saw the moon doesn't move and it, this doesn't exactly look like the moon. It's a big white thing, you know, disc more disc shape. Um, but it was moving around and, and they all said and it just blinked out, but they could still see it and then sparkles and it flies off. Mm. Very, very, very strange. But, you know, having a retired police officer who, uh, this guy is still not sleeping, still not sleeping well at all. Yeah. Um, It just rocked his world.
1: (laughs) Well, I've seen that happen many times over the years with with, particularly police officers and first responders who who have a very um, matter-of-fact view of the world. And when, Or even professional people will come up after lectures and say, you know, I I never believed any of this until it happened to me, which in a way was the case – with me last week.
2: Yeah, so you were, you were actually telling me about this the other day, which I thought was an amazing story because I was having a terrible day, so I'm really glad that you told me. Oh, good, so well. you had an interesting sighting yourself at our new Pennsylvania Triangle case, if you'd like to yes, explain exactly. that to us.
1: Well, first of all, um, Shane, have you, I don't know if Shane has explained his, uh, have you explained your sighting down there in May?
0: Uh, did we ever explain that on the air?
1: I don't think we did. Well, why do you start with that and then I'll, I'll start with mine. Now, uh, this past weekend was the second expedition to what we're, we are referring to as the Pennsylvania Triangle. And uh, this was um, very interesting. We've talked many times about the Litchfield-Connecticut Triangle. Well, this is another one in western Pennsylvania. So uh, we went in May, um, a number of things. We, it was very preliminary. You know, we were doing a number of things, getting familiar with the area. And Shane, uh, why don't you well, let, let me let me say what happened to me and why you were by yourself when this occurred. Uh, <clears throat> I, I have a, what appears to be a serious metal allergy, and there was one area a, of this tract of land that have, had apparently been the uh, ground zero for a meteor strike round about the 16th century. So the place is full of iron pieces from this meteor uh that's been researched by academics and and uh, people from universities and so have come up and done paleontological digs lots of fossils a lot of strange things have been found there so apparently this affected me now um i i began to have what i is i suppose uh, like a panic attack the heart pounding and this sort of thing and that never happens to me uh in the sense of a panic attack but we were on that hill and it affected me that way um, Interestingly, just as I Decided to leave, uh, you happened To come upon a uh, Large track With very clear toe marks um, Which was a lot Bigger than my shoe and I have a big Foot, so <laughs> Pardon the pun, and uh, there we Go, so that was it, so I left and I had To go down to another house and uh, Actually had to rest for two hours before This happened, so while that was happening What happened to you?
0: All right, so I decided to um, go down to the camp that they have in the middle of the woods with a little pavilion and stuff, and they like to hang out there. It's a great, great little spot, and there's been a lot of sightings in that area. So I decided, you know, while you were napping, I would go, and I, I parked in front of the pavilion, and it was pouring rain. I was going to was gonna set the trail cams out for the night because it was around 3 o'clock or so. Um, I was going to go stick them in the woods. Absolute pouring, and pouring and rain. I think that's why the thing didn't hear my truck running because my truck was on idle, um, i had the heat going i was trying to dry off we were soaked yeah um so waiting for the rain to let up and it wasn't um so something caught my eye and i, I looked up to maybe my two o'clock and through this then tree line i saw this i didn't know how big it was at, at the time i saw this black thing that i didn't recognize it, it, and the movement was odd it looked almost like three things at first because it, you know what would have been its arms, um, which I didn't realize at first, were swinging really wide. Um, so that almost looked like three different things, and I I didn't know what I was looking at, um, so or how how big it was. So I said, okay, there's a keep out sign or no trespass sign. I'm gonna um, this thing is as tall as the top of that sign. So I took note and. Just as I'm going to drive up there and try to get a shot, I'm powering up my camera, you know. I'm going to go up there, and I'm I'm for sure I can get capture this thing, you know, on on camera. And just as I put it in drive, the thing takes off. And I was up there in seconds. I mean, it's not that far of a distance. Mm. And this thing, <clears throat> excuse me, this thing just went straight, and it was gone. I mean, I, I drove yeah. up the road, try to cut it off. Maybe
1: 150 feet from where you were. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pro- yeah. And, but this thing was just gone and and like i said the the arms just swung really high like even over its head you know <clears throat> um and there were actually deers that were going I, I looked back there were deers that were running to the left and clear white tails you know we, um, it's not what i was looking at and actually from my from my vantage point and because of the landscape and everything i wouldn't have even seen the deer because they they weren't tall enough um i wouldn't have been able to see them so um this thing's gone I i back up I walk up to the tree, and this sign is, at first, when, when, um, I recalled it, uh, I said, cause I didn't walk fully, fully up to the tree, I was saying it was about a foot taller than me, but when we just won in, in, you know, this past weekend, I walked closer to it and realized it was a foot and a half to two foot taller than I am, um, and, yeah, with these boots on, I'm six foot tall, you know, um, so, huge, I mean, this thing was big, big, it was, like I said, it was a little, it was three o'clock it was pouring rain very cloudy um but i could see it very well i didn't see facial features um it, it moved too quick um but it was definitely a surreal feeling like you know what am i looking at yeah i've seen every animal in my life and it just like i, we, I went to pennsylvania expecting to see hopefully or if we we're lucky see some lights in the sky mm-hmm. i never ever expected to see this thing yeah and uh but like you you described it perfectly um you feeling a privilege, too. Yeah, yeah, and, uh,
1: yeah. Well, uh, this, in this past weekend, we were up there, uh, down there, or wherever, out, out west there, and I was, um, we pretty much did the same thing. We did, decided on this trip that we would have a neighborhood meeting and that we would uh, reverse where we were sleeping. In other words, the family has a nice uh, RV. They put it down in that camping area, and you stayed there the first night. So in the meantime, I went up in the early evening, it wasn't dark yet, uh, to a field above the house of the the people who own much of this land. And I parked my truck there, and uh, I just waited to see what I could see, expecting some lights, because we did get some interesting photographs on the May trip of of lights in the the area, on on the ground and in the sky. So um, at one point... It had gotten dark. Lovely, lovely um, full moon. This is Friday the 16th. Uh, moon is coming up. Uh, was, there were some clouds, but it was pretty clear. Very, very bright. And especially uh, on a moonlit night when your eyes adjust, it's, it's, it's almost like daylight. Oh, yeah. So at one point, and th- this is at about um, a little before 10 o'clock, uh, I heard to the left of me, and I had it was kind of chilly, so I had only one driver's side window open. I heard like, like the, uh, the, the, uh, snuffling of an animal or, or the, the exhale that you'd sometimes hear from a bull or a horse. Now that, that's happened, to you, it's happened to all of us, I think. Yep. You turn around, there's nothing there. Yeah. But it seemed to be under, uh, the, uh, a, a deer stand that had been overtaken by grapevines. So it might have been a bear. All right. So I'm kind of considering that and I'm kind of looking at a, at a place, uh, in the woods to the left. That had kind of attracted my attention as a possible intersect point for some of our theory, you know, as in our theories of the multiverse. But then all of a sudden something to the right caught my eye and there walking up the slight hill to the top of this hill uh, and of this field, which, much of which was grass that came, you know, almost halfway up to your hips, you know, some of it was tall grass, was something walking and it was brown okay and the first thing i thought you know it has to be a deer but it it, it immediately i could see huge legs and knees moving up and down as a two legged figure walking and it had its head again a very furry creature of some kind its head was bowed as if looking for something on the ground and i have never Except one possible time in New Mexico, but I can't be sure. But I have never had, and I'm not claiming this was Bigfoot, but I don't know, I don't know what it was mm-hmm. if, if it wasn't, you know. And it was a feeling of absolute peace and a feeling of privilege. The last thing I would expect with a large creature moving up, uh, we measured the next morning and it was 300 to 320 feet from where I was. But again, a uh, very large creature. Now, of course, uh, in, a, in sort of a comedy of errors, uh, I, I, sh- I shot an infrared picture through the closed truck window because you're not going to get anything because the window was cold. There's no heat signature. So then I try to get out as quietly as possible. I go to raise the camera. I, I couldn't see it at that point. My wife calls <laughs> on the phone. I mean, Talk yeah. about being considering divorce. I mean, and, and, and a, a masterpiece of timing that will live in infamy. Uh, you know, and, and I answered, oh, "I'm having a big foot side." What are you doing? He said, "What?" So, anyway, the rest of the conversation will remain uh, nameless. And um, so, so it was long gone by by that time. Uh, however, uh, shortly thereafter, I see spotlights on the other side of the field, looking up into a tree. And the entire bottom of the tree was illuminated. And, one, and I said, what, That's obviously, unless Bigfoot has learned to use spotlights. I mean, <laughs> this is somebody doing that. And the next night at the neighborhood meeting, um, I we we had uh, what, we must have had ten, fifteen, twenty people there.
0: Yeah, something like that. You
1: know, and uh, uh, one of the, I was telling people about this, and uh, a woman named Melissa put her hand up and said, "That was me." because she lives in the house just below the lip of that hill. She said, my daughter and I heard something large, some kind of large creature moving through that field, and, and these people being used to everything being strange mm. in this this flap area, uh they took the spotlights and went up to see what it was. So if this is what it appears to be, presumably these people heard what I saw while I was seeing it. So... <laughs> And you remember the next morning, I I, I came up because you you had come up from the depths there of the campground, and I I was was the dog in the field last night. Were, were any of you in the field? Nobody was, and uh, it just it's the, the very clear sight of the the legs of a two-legged large creature walking. Um, I just that that's what it was.
0: Yeah, and all the tall grass was all you know smushed down and.
1: Exa- yeah, exactly. Because we went the, the first thing we did the next day. Uh, the Saturday morning, the 17th, was to go up, and uh, you um, did the reenactment thing, yep. which we have a video of, and you're coming up, and um, we're about 300, 320 feet, as I say, away from me, and uh, what I had seen very clearly in that bright moonlight was at least a foot and a half to two feet taller than than you, mm. and you're, you, you, as you say, were six feet, you know, and the grass was trampled down, and it looked as though it had come one way, and then... Uh, had, had, turned around and gone back toward the woods, probably when my wife called, because the, uh, <laughs> I hadn't turned the phone off, and, um, I don't know. I guess
2: it's a lesson, turn your phone off.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I did, but I didn't know if you, see, we should have had the walkie talkies going. See, we're, 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 go, we're a couple of old ghost researchers, we're kind of new to this. Yeah. So I thought you might text from where you were, you might need assistance, or something had happened. Yeah. And so I did, that's why I left it on. And my ringtone is the Shire theme from Lord of the Rings, so. <laughs> So that's blasting out over the field. And so that's probably why uh, whoever, it, whatever it was, turned around and decided, well, retreat was the better part of valor in this case.
2: Right.
1: I guess, yeah. You know, so um, talk about But So next time we'll know, but live and learn. But I saw what I saw, and uh, it was amazing. And again, we've had people come up to us. Uh, you remember the, the, the uh, we, we had a, a bigfoot contact kind of in the or have in the Litchfield yes. case and because many sightings have taken place around there and when we last December when we met with him and we went out um, on a, like a field trip there uh, we uh, he he said you know I, he was very concerned about disturbing you know the bigfoot people and all this you know as if they were very sophisticated civilization and everything which they. Be- you know, I, I I've always taken that. kind of, And everybody says, that, not everybody, but a lot of people who've had that experience say that. Now I understand it. I'm, I'm not saying you've got some uh, civilization out there, or that, that they're very that they they very may very well may be. But there is a certain feeling of presence with anyone, and you can kind of feel the presence of a very good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. And uh, this was a very positive. Almost sacred experience, mm-hmm. I, I must say. And that, that's the way the natives describe it. Mm-hmm. So now I will take these things with a little, little bit less salt because it's happened to me.
2: So rather than grain, it's more like half a grain of salt.
1: Right. <laughs> and certainly not a pillar of salt. That's
2: there. that's true. So, all
1: right. So um, what, uh, we're almost to our break. but uh, So our next plans uh, call for going to this area. And the neighborhood meeting was very enlightening. Uh, we found a possible location for what we always find in these flat cases, which is a military presence. Uh, reports of uh, the usual unmarked black helicopters, uh, C-130s flying, flying very low. Even, even, you remember the story, Shane, of, of uh, jet fighters flying very low. you are ridiculously low yes. over this area. So what is going on? I don't know. We did find a, a radio transmission tower that we photographed, uh, which is a legitimate FM radio station tower however there were a lot of funny doodads on it that the kind we've seen in the in the Litchfield case too so I we don't know one of the problems with the the flap areas is that there there's all sorts of evidence but it's here it's there uh you know you try to put it together and sometimes the point gets lost and you can't really put your finger on anything but that's what you do uh in black ops you know uh in intelligence training you learn to do that kind of thing with information so I don't know, any further thoughts, Ben? Uh, but I bet you'd wish you'd been there.
2: I really do wish I was there. Well, you're going to
1: be there next time, because you are you figure prominently in the next step on this. Yes. Which is the mapping and uh, finding the points of the triangle, which you're very good at.
2: The fates will deem if I will be there. Yeah,
1: well, if hopefully we'll have a... They'll, they'll be uh, more uh, merciful to us than they have been today. <laughs> yes. To the, yes, yes, uh, yes. Automotive yes. Uh, problems and things of this kind anyway. Yes. All right. So why don't we uh, take our break and then we'll come back with finally some questions from the listeners. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno, uh, today also with co-host Shane Sirway on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful, lovely, a little bit chilly Blackstone River Valley. <laughs> It's your business. The health of our economy, the strength of our businesses affects every individual, every family. I'm Frank Pryznis. Each Thursday, we'll visit with leaders to discuss important business and economic issues. Join me Thursdays at 4 p.m. on WON. It's your business because it is. Okay, and we're back here very quickly. Uh, we will mention a number of charities in our announcement section that we have adopted, uh, a lot of veterans' charities, and we ask you to uh, check those out on our website, BehindTheParanormal.com, on uh, also NewEnglandGhosts.com, and do what you can for them. And uh, we will have, on the 16th of October, the Crohn's and Colitis Walk, Team Behind the Paranormal, walking in Providence, Rhode Island, and we'll tell you about that later. And we'll be doing some promos, and check our website for that as well. Sign up. If you uh, donate $15 or more, you get a free T-shirt. So, hey, you can't go wrong with that.
2: Yeah, right. All right.
1: Okay, so let's get into some of our questions from listeners here. And uh, these are from Facebook. So why don't we take these one at a time. This is from Steve in Florida. And uh, I guess the question arose from our August 28th open line show.
2: Okie So, Steve writes to us, "...it seems like I've heard you discuss the haunted basketball story before, but it was good getting Shane's take on it. Interesting that Shane noted that he simply, uh, through suggestion, created paranormal events or the appearance of events at a location." It sounds like it could be viewed as an experiment in mass hysteria and the power of suggestion than an actual event, or at least that could be an alternative explanation to the activity. Uh, some less charitable may call, it, uh, call this a researcher implanting suggestions or false memories if it, had, uh, if it were to be done after the fact, though I don't believe Shane or any of you would ever do, be doing that.
1: So I guess it's just a response to his comment. Uh, do you think that, uh, and this is where we get into our first question, opening question, uh reverse engineering right. of a paranormal event. Uh, I think maybe what Steve is, is asking is the, could it be the result of suggestion, or do you even bring people into the reverse engineering process? And, and initially, what do you even mean by reverse engineering a paranormal event?
0: Yeah, right. So... Um, what i find w- with my little test there that i did was you know i i made up the story that yes it was haunted or whatever and th- this was to do my research to to actually kind of uh, prove what i've what i've been working with and uh my th- what my theory um was that <clears throat> basically the attention that we give to this thing it didn't this is why the ouija board works so i needed to make up a story to get their attention on the possibility of interaction. So once that was in their internal dialogue, um, they would, and they were afraid too. that was another thing. Cause I could tell that they, when they were t- talking about this, this is what gave me the idea that they were talking about something different, a different situation. They were getting really all freaked out and I'm like, okay, well that's, that's part of this equation. Most of the time is the fear. So now I made up the story for them to think that, you know, there's a, there's ghostly activity going on. Um, and now, what happened was that freaked them out so much they couldn't shut it off in their head, and they attracted something there. And we had legitimate activity, so it wasn't just like a hysteria thing. Um, it it uh, it actually did bring in something. That's why the Ouija board works. The Ouija board does the same thing. It makes you it focuses your attention on the possibility of an interaction and then you 're going to get parasites that are going to play on that they 're going to act like your mother that passed away they 're going to act like your grandmother um, but it 's usually never the case it's it's something looking to play on your vulnerabilities um, and and it's it's the frequency it's uh, it's the our thoughts it's it's you know it's um, we 're the ones that attract these things through through that and um, so this is how when I go into the para- parasite cases where people are being attacked and then we got a negative situation. I reverse engineer their haunt. Okay, Um, how long have you lived here? How long have you had this going on? And usually I get to the point where when this happened, when it started, that something changed in their life, something dramatic that really disrupted their lives in some way, and that's when the activity starts because they're they're either negative or they're um, vulnerable in some way, Um, and and these things start – they just start little, just anything to get your attention on them. Once you start noticing, you know, oh, that's moving, this is happening, um, then they, it gets in their head. They can't shut it off. Um, it's what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And they're just their attention turns to obsession, um, and this thing just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. So we have to go back. A lot of times, I have to heal their personal issues. I have to counsel them through their personal problems to get them over that, and then um, educate them. And, and This is the reason. So you have to shut it off. You can't think about it. You can't let it dictate. You know, your every movement in your house. You um, you can't give it that control. And you got to be more positive And you know, um, and this thing will just it goes away every single time. Um, I, I've helped thousands of people, and, and, and it's never failed. The only um, the the toughest ones are the ones that are just locked onto these old old ideas of what a haunt is and you know and how to get rid of it you know um they, a lot of people you know they they're still stuck on oh no, you got to have holy water you got to do a smudging or um but those are all tools and if it helps you to focus your 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 mind your your emotions in the right in the right way then then it'll work I mean, but it's inadvertent, um, so I just bypass all that and get right to the paranormal mechanics and um so you know to answer like his question that's kind of what I did I created a, a situation to put that in their head because they had they already had a strong fear of the situation I knew I was gonna let nobody get hurt you know um we we got rid of it instantly as soon as it escalated um, and but <clears throat> you know it it was just there were another thing too there was natural elements present I, it wouldn't have worked probably as well if i didn't have some of those natural key elements um one being a, a pretty strong river running by the property and we find that that usually always uh you know strengthens these things uh um, and then a couple other things that i i won't mention but yeah.
1: um well the rivers uh, conduct Electromagnetic energy, which these things, which yeah. funny things with space time, and whatever. so you cut off the food supply,
0: right? Yeah, so you know, and, and that's so that's how it worked. And, that's, and like I said, and that's that's why the Ouija board works. The Ouija board, people get mad at it, and they're like, "Oh, just evil," and you can't have a Ouija board. And, um the it's, it's, the problem is not the Ouija board; it's the use of the Ouija board and and what it does to your your. Um, basically you give this thing power you give it attention you give the attention and the possibility for an interaction most of the people that are using the ouija board because they want to talk to somebody that they lost so there's a vulnerability there's a there's a real strong emotion there emotions key um frequency motion very key in all this um and that's what when these parasites come through, um, and that's why it's not because the Ouija board is some fantastic, fantastic thing. It's because it, it's it's the, the attention that you give it, you know, and the, the possibility of that interaction. Just like same same thing with seances and all this other stuff. And we've seen it with investigators who thought something followed them home, and um, because of something they saw in the house, it freaked them out so much, and nothing initially yeah, followed them. Yeah, we've both off. seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thinking yeah. of a couple people in particular.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... And that's all it is. It's, it's uh, you know, there's people that um, never experienced a paranormal situation. They absolutely do not believe in it. They're not afraid of it, um, and they never experience it. Um, the people that are looking for it and they're giving attention to it um, will experience it because of that. And a lot of times it's not what they wanted, you know, with like the, with the yeah. Ouija board. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, I'm thinking, too, that, that uh, taking everything you said and putting it in the context of, of the broader picture of a flap area such as we've been dealing with in the past few years, and Ben, and certainly you and I, in 10 years mm. in the Litchfield case, that, um, and I'm thinking of the Pennsylvania case where there was a house that is having problems with shadow people, as they call them, all yep. right? Um, how, and it's not like we've never talked about this, but for the benefit of the listeners, how would you apply what you just described? Uh, to an area where you get all this energy blasting. And almost every, every area has uh, other things going on than, than the phenomena that people are reporting. Other houses may, are usually having problems. There may be a UFO involvement, this kind of thing, not necessarily directly, but because of the, the intersect points where various worlds are coming together. Uh, and and that, that's, that's good physics, actually, from certain points of view. So how would you apply that to... Uh, suppose the shadow so suppose it's it's negative which we're not sure yet um it, it may be parasitical would the same techniques work
0: well you and i both together and then by ourselves have worked in areas where several homes are are active and mm-hmm. uh, a lot and especially with the flap areas and stuff like that so in these areas you're going to have activity um because of the the natural properties and, and you know um, so there's going to be activity. What, what I have found and I've proven to myself is we can dictate the type of activity, um, that goes on inside our house. Like, uh, the case in Connecticut, in Connecticut, Connecticut sorry, um, with, um, you know, the Litchfield Hills case. Um, very positive people, very loving people. They haven't had anything really horrible happen. Yeah. A lot of strange, weird stuff. Um, but nothing horrible. Put a dysfunctional family in there. Different story. Exactly. You know, it's going to be a whole different story. So, um, we, we absolutely dictate the type of environment, uh, the type of activity we're going to have by the environment that we maintain inside our home. So, um, you know, in the case where it may, maybe because of a flat area or, or, you know, an area that has these natural elements or whatever, these properties, um, these components, um, it, it's going to be active. So it's an education I give to the family and get them on the right track so they know what to do, what not to do, um, and the negative stuff won't happen. Um, it just doesn't.
1: Now, Ben, uh, you've been working on Litchfield Case for 11 years, all yes. right, man and boy. Yes. And, um, man what, and boy. Given what Shane has said, uh, and, and you, you, I've always found that you operate, I mean, we're a good team. You operate on a different level than I do. And you have
2: well, you are to slightly taller that, than I am.
1: Somewhat, yes. Well, no, not really. But in any case, what, what what's your take uh, on that? How um, would you amplify anything Shane says or, or change any of it?
2: Well, I don't. I think I think the problem is I don't think there's a problem with what he says. I think I I agree in a different way.
1: Yeah, we don't agree all agree on everything. <laughs> no. I
2: I agree in an augmented way, meaning <laughs> that I th- I see. I don't find – re. I think reverse engineering is, is a weird is, – is is a strange term because we have no control over it. We have almost zero to no control over it whatsoever, but we have a way to manipulate it. It's a broken system that we can manipulate. It's like having a horrible car, but for some reason you know how to work it. It's like that first car that you own as a kid, yet like – there's all sorts of things wrong with it, but you know how to make it work, and nobody else it
1: may does. And they still own as a senior citizen.
2: Oh, yes, yeah. yes. It's like how we had that Geo Metro for years, and there were all sorts of problems with it, and everyone felt it was a death trap, which it was. But I, I digress. So what I'm saying essentially is I agree, but at the same time, I think that it's more – I I kind of – I'm trying to bring us back to the email because I think we sort of ran away from that. <laughs> <laughs> ever so slightly. Well, uh,
1: Steve in Florida uh, stimulated some thinking.
2: Uh, think. He did. Yeah. And I, I think I, – I kind of – I understand what he's saying with the whole um, power of suggestion because that's – it's very – it's very easy to fall under that assumption. But when you actually know what you're dealing with or yeah. vaguely know what you're dealing with, I think it's kind of – well, um, I'm losing well, track of my th- words here. Th- th- people
1: participate.
2: Yeah, they per, they all participate in experience right yeah you know,
1: it 's not it 's not like i wasn 't sitting in that field last week last weekend and just seeing whatever it was I was seeing. Um, I was part of it, and I felt part of it, which doesn 't mean it wasn 't real, it just means we may have to at times change our definition of what we think of as real, right we think of it as something we think of it as re- real as very often separate, and that that 's not and as we found out certainly from Dr. Michael Persinger in his God helmet.
2: Yeah, or, just which because can
1: stimulate uh, near death experiences and everything else, and just because it's you participate in it doesn't mean it's not real. Right.
2: Actually, there is there is a question from <clears throat> from another listener pertaining to your your bigfoot experiences. Oh, okay. Um, but we can get get to that in just a second. So I'll find a segue into that. I do I do agree I do agree though that these are real experiences. Yes, the experience is real, and experience is our greatest teacher. It's possible to misinterpret the experience. Yes. which we see all the time. So I think the key factor here is, for lack of better words, discernment and having a healthy skepticism when stepping towards the experience. So rather than saying it's all suggestion, like, oh, well, I definitely saw this, we all took the same steps. We all did exactly what Descartes would do, which is you eliminate all the things that make the most sense, so you, you essentially – we eliminated everything that, you know what, this – it definitely wasn't this, definitely wasn't that, definitely wasn't this. As much as Descartes was awful, we sort of did the whole hyperbole thing where whatever is the most crazy explanation, we sort of
1: uh, – René Descartes, the French philosopher, for those of you who did not have philosophy degrees.
2: Yeah, he's terrible. He's the worst. Uh, he did he ruined philosophy for 500 years. So that being said, let's go to Roy's question from Mansfield, and he says uh, – I Mansfield, pre- Massachusetts. Yes, so he uh, he writes to us, I appreciate your show because you have a healthy and open-minded skepticism. So please allow me to be skeptical to, about your very interesting experiences in Pennsylvania, uh, which I heard Paul talk about on Midnight in the Desert this week. Paul, how do you know the Bigfoot experience was not something else uh, that you have been talking about? Pareidolia.
1: Ah, yes, good question. Pareidolia is the phenomenon by which we will uh, our brains will take auditory stimuli... Or visual stimuli and and find patterns where there are none. Okay, I often talk about it, and Ben and I often talk about it in the context of, of uh, electronic voice phenomena, so called EVPs. Uh, they're pretty much everywhere. You can find them all over the internet. And the quote unquote ghost hunters will will turn on some sort of recording medium, and will will ask, sometimes ask questions: Is there anybody here? And they'll you know there'll be some sort of uh, something recorded on it that, that they will interpret as certain words. You know, sometimes the words are very clear, but they could come from anywhere. And also uh, photographs, too. Yes. Uh, when I first started in this in the early 70s, you, we'd say, aha, look at this in this picture. And, of course, you're taking a picture in a woodland on a bright, sunny day, and perhaps leaves are moving, and you're going to see patterns in the leaves. And it's when things are particularly... Uh, Clear or obvious, uh, even then you can't be entirely sure. Okay, so that that's what paradolia uh, is. So the question is, uh, did I experience paradolia when I was having this what appears to be a Bigfoot sighting on September 16th of this month?
2: I would say no. I don't. I, I think that I think. The fact that you both felt so strongly about your experiences and it, 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 it tried to eliminate all the things that seemed possible like it's, it just makes it just makes more sense that something actually did happen i wasn 't there, yeah. so i can 't cooperate in any of these things, but I trust both of you so well the, the thing the thing with me is that you know I make no claims
1: it could very well have been pareidolia, but i i just it 's burned into my memory the, those huge legs walking, and that head mm-hmm bowed as if looking for something. I think that the second uh, pos- probable witness who heard what I apparently saw, I think that adds some credibility to the idea that, that something. That maybe it was a bear, uh, but I don't think bears walk on their hind legs very often. Yeah, right? or
0: run. I uh, saw yeah. that the mine ran.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. The
0: bears don't do that.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, <laughs> it's a good thing, too. But uh, I just... I think that that the the corroborative uh, second witness, um, if that's what it was, it does certainly appear to be that, uh, does add some credibility. But, I mean, I I, I claim nothing. I uh, admit all possibilities. But it was a very personal, powerful experience. And I I tend to be the more intellectual or scholarly one in this group for whatever, you know, whatever that may get you, you know. I mean, you know, I... I don't mean that in any sort of um, uh, boasting kind of way, but that by that, my background is academic, and I try to approach it like that. And people like that generally don't have a lot of personal experiences with this stuff. Um, that's we talk about that in our book on on uh, in our, our upcoming book, the uh, Behind the Paranormal: Everything You Know Is Wrong, coming yes. out in January from Schiffer Books, in case you don't. know. And uh, I think that our chapter on the paranormal lives of the saints. The ones, the least intellectual ones, had the most amazing experiences, and and even witnesses seeing them levitate and things of this kind. Whereas people like Saint Thomas Aquinas or Saint Basil the Great, I mean, they were more intellectual and uh, generally weren't known for bilocating or uh, being seen, you know, flying through the air or things like this. That's yeah. (laughs) So, um, so, so I'm not. I've had a lot of fantastic experiences, but not to the point where many people would have who were involved in this field. So it, that that makes it stick in my mind very clearly as well. So uh, anything's possible, but I think it was a legitimate experience.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, I agree. Same here.
2: Yeah. Well, that was – I, I like that those emails came up, that, like, that was, that, that was, that question was right there. So I guess we can move on. We have a little bit of time. We can probably get to maybe one or two more emails. This one is on an entirely different topic. So for something entirely different, this is Mercy from the Philippines. And, uh, they write to us, Your show is unique and interesting. I listen with interest to your talk about the, uh, to your talk about the fairies in Puerto Rico. Yeah. In the Philippines, we have the Dewata. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I know, uh, people who are friendly with them and say that they clean their houses just like you saw in Puerto Rico. Uh, Do you think that these are the same creatures, just with different names, or are they different creatures that depend on what country?
1: Okay, well, I should point out that uh, having just said what I said about not having a lot of... I did not see any fairies in Puerto Rico. However, I was down there in 1984, and uh, I was um, dealing with a family of uh, very educated people. Uh, We had a banker and a real estate agent, uh, a couple, and uh, their children and they were saying that uh, every Saturday they would go for a walk, leave beer and fruit, not very appetizing to me, but apparently the (laughs) fairies disagree, uh, on the counter. They would go for a walk, and they would come back, and the whole house would be cleaned, including the breakfast dishes. And I first thing I said, where do you get these? (laughs) Is there an agency? So uh, the problem was that I borrowed... Um, I, I suppose this is probably the strangest uh, use to which uh, U.S. government equipment has ever been put. But I was in the Coast Guard at the time, and I um, asked the uh, well, my superior officer, uh, "Could do you mind if I borrow equipment from the photo lab and, and take it take it ashore?" And they said, "Oh, go right ahead." They all knew I was into this. Thought it was rather funny. So I set up camera equipment, complete with trip wires, in the kitchen, and um, I got a lot of. There there were no Nothing tripped the camera and the worst thing was that I got, we got back from the walk, I took the walk with them, and nothing, none of the work was done. So they all looked at me as if it was my fault. And again I just I almost had to clean the house but I hightailed it back to the ship. But in any case I just you know, I, these were I didn't see anything, but these I was just struck by, by the, the seriousness and credibility of these people. You know, they just did not seem like the sort of people who would make this stuff up. So that's the background of the Puerto Rico story. But in the Philippines, uh, I have heard of, is it the Diwa? Diwata? Diwata,
2: right, right. Yeah, i I've heard of them, even if I
1: can't spell the name. Uh, they are very similar to many folklore uh, fairies, for lack of a better term. And Ben himself has pointed out that it's the word
2: fairy. Yeah, it's, it's a goofy just, word. Yeah. You think of
1: Tinkerbell and Disney, <laughs> and it, it, it just, just invites disbelief.
2: Yes, right. Cool. I think the type of fair that they're talking about this is Josh is, our uh, wonderful producer spell with f a e not the f a i it's a different well type, it's in a, it's a more archaic
1: spelling yeah, yeah well
2: it's also more much more room to branch out with just from my knowledge okay. of fantasy novels and stuff like that so
1: all right well, I'll accept that but regardless of how you spell it i mean there, there may be uh the the idea of the multiverse is that everything that can possibly be uh, does exist somewhere or somewhere in these this this elegant interaction of perhaps infinite numbers of parallel realities, and then again this gets back into quantum mechanics and and uh, our own interpretation of the paranormal so somewhere or somewhere there are fairies for lack of a better term, and there are beings or a race like that that does kind of come out uh, and can perhaps uh, work uh, through a parallel world, intersects, because many uh, beings out there certainly seem to do that, including the parasites we've been talking about or whatever. So um, the, uh, the the ones in the Philippines uh, have, were actually, I believe, the uh, uh, Tagalog people of the natives of the Philippines considered them to be gods or demigods. And they've kind of been demoted, as I understand it, kind of been demoted over the years, over the centuries. And now they are thought of as, as these, these little fairies. You can rub them the wrong way and end up in, in some kind of having pro- problems with them. But uh, I think um, Mercy, Mercy's uh, question uh, really gets into two. What about the, the ethnic backgrounds of some of these these phenomena? Yes. Uh, for example, why is it that, that the Irish... Uh, are among the few who experience the banshee say my uh, my grandfather my uh, maternal grandfather had uh, an irish father and would used to come back and and he would tell uh, my mother and and her sister and brother that he uh, he he used to uh, be an engineer on the old New Haven Railroad. And he said, oh, he's going through the, uh, the, the nights. Oh, I heard the Banshees in the woods and my grandmother, you know, a very blue blood Boston Yankee lady said, oh, John, you know,
0: and so, <laughs> <It's> a-
1: <laughs> but in any case, uh, th- there are many traditions and we're going to have a show on that uh, in a few weeks talking about with a guest from a folklorist from New York state, who is going to say uh, some, some, something about this. And, uh, why do certain nationalities have certain kinds of paranormal experiences? Okay, so I think that probably will deal with that, and we'll leave that question to that show. Oh, yes. um, I think we have a lot of announcements, so we'd probably better get into it. Ben, oh, first of do. all, yes. why don't you talk about the new YouTube channel?
2: Oh, yes. It finally dawned on us after several years of doing this show that... And suggestions to, to many listeners. Yes. Why do we not have a YouTube channel? So, <laughs> so this week, um, we took it upon ourselves... To start constructing it, and uh, hopefully by the end of this week, we'll have some programming ready and have it all constructed. So hopefully by Friday or Saturday of next week, or this coming week, I should say, uh, we should have some stuff up there, and we'll definitely... Throw it onto our Facebook page. That's behind the paranormal, and we'll have a, have a links to it on our websites as well.
1: You want to talk a little bit about the format because it's going to be different from the radio. It is going
2: to be very different from the radio show. We have found that over time that we have had mountains and mountains of emails dating back years. So yes, one of the um show one of the portions of the uh show show that we'll have on there will be dealing with emails specifically. So if for those of you who have been waiting for centuries for your emails to be answered, we will have those answered for you on there. And uh, we will also have a sort of a new thing that we haven't done because people have asked us to talk more about our cases. We will have a specific set of episodes based on case studies of cases that we have uh, investigated ourselves.
1: That's why I was taking all those videos in Pennsylvania. So, yes. Yeah. You know,
2: so we will be starting on that uh, very 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 soon, and hopefully by the end of the week we will have some content for you.
1: Okay, and we'll uh, we'll let you know about that. Uh, keep an eye on our Facebook page too, behind the paranormal for information
2: as well on this. So, so on Friday and Saturday, October 7th and 8th, uh, we're back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Leominster, Massachusetts. Along with ourselves, speakers will include the great Nick Redfern, Mark D'Antonio, Bill Hall, Ronnie LeBlanc, Bill Pen- Bill Penning, and Ray Hernandez.
1: And Shane, if you can show up at that, I want to get you involved in in my talk as well. You can talk about some of these experiences. I think people would find that very interesting, particularly the New Hampshire UFO site. Oh, yes. So on Sunday, October 16th, as I mentioned earlier, join us at Roger Williams Park in Providence, Rhode Island, for the Taking Steps for Crohn's and Colitis Charity Walk. We'll broadcast live from the event at noon with none other than Shane, uh, author William J. Hall, and who knows who else might turn up. Anything can happen on this show. To join us and the rest of Team Behind the Paranormal or just to donate, see the link at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, the walk is two to three miles and begins at 10 a.m., and there will be more information here on uh, ON 1240 as the date approaches. Uh, if you donate, oh, that's your
2: line. All right, so if you donate $15 or more via our team page and walk with us on the 16th, uh, you will get a free Behind the Paranormal slash ON1240 slash Taking Steps for Crohn's and Colitis t-shirt to mark the occasion.
1: And uh, it's going to be a doozy of a week. On Tuesday, excuse me, October 18th. Can you read that? Cause I...
2: Sure. So, So on Tuesday, October 18th, uh, we will be delivering... Oh, wow, we lost the page already. I got it. There it is. Tuesday,
1: is October 18th, I'll be the speaker at the monthly MUFON event in the Philadelphia area. My subject will be Strange Connections, UFOs, Cryptids, and Ghosts. That will be at 6.30 p.m. at the Trettoffin Public Library, 582 Upper Gulf Road, Wayne, Pennsylvania. Go to mainlinemufon.com
2: for details. And so then on Friday evening, October 21st at 7 p.m., my dad and I will present our program, What's Really Behind the Paranormal, at The Enchanted Cafe at 7484 South Broadway, Red Hook, New York. And you can see www.TheEnchantedCafeRedHook.com. And meanwhile, you can find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com. Where you'll find nearly 700 free recorded shows from both o n 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. And our forthcoming book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is now available for pre-order on the publisher's website. That's SchifferBooks.com. Just search Behind the Paranormal or use the link on the the BehindTheParanormal.com website in case you haven't heard that website enough. You can also pre-order it on Amazon.com. And The book is slated for release by Schiffer Books. Uh, That is in January, and there will be a release party and book signing, probably here in our listening area, and we will let you know about that.
1: And you can find my other books on Amazon.com as well. And you want to check out um, the uh, website again because there are over 600, really almost 700 free podcasts uh, and recorded shows on that. Okay, next Sunday, October 2nd, what do we got, Ben?
2: So we have uh, Canadian filmmaker uh, Adam Tomlinson for a look at his experiences with and uh, the movie about shadow people. Shane, give us your website very quickly. TrueGhost.com.
1: Good, that was that quick. Was, that was very quick, That was yes. quick. <laughs> All right, great. So we leave you this afternoon with a thought-provoking quote from American cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead. Always remember that you are absolutely unique, just like everybody else. I'm Paul Eno.
2: And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. Hey, sorry, that's Shane. Saying, say goodbye. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shane.
0: <laughs> and I'm Shane Sayway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we'll see you next time. Return to this radio
1: frequency 167 hours from now for another